I am one voice that stands alone. I am one choice to man the throne. Stand good and take shots. Give it all I got. All I got is this microphone. Welcome to Pulp Revelators. My name is Jeff Sanders, and I want to welcome you to our show. This is our inaugural episode, and Pulp Revelators is the brainchild of Gary Skirka. I'm going to give him a chance to introduce himself. Hi, I'm Gary Skirka. Uh, welcome to the episode. And without further ado, we want to go ahead and go around the table to go ahead and have everyone else introduce themselves. So I'll go ahead and start with the gentleman to my left. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Dio. Uh, I'm just eating chips, you know what I mean? <laughs> Every show has to have a chip eater. A chip eater, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the villain. I don't think it's fair to establish your dominance on that already. <laughs> and we'll just keep going around to the left. Absolutely. And uh, I'm Jeff Sanders once again. 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 <laughs> and uh, I love comic books. I love geek things. I love theology. So that's where I come in. A man so prominent, he needed to be introduced twice. Yes. <laughs> and I'm Michael Valiant. And uh, I guess a little bit of ditto what Jeff said. Comic books, movies, music, theology, um, and it all comes together and makes for a cool conversation. That brings you to me. I'm Tim Laramore, and Gary asked me to come into this. I think it's a great opportunity to uh, really kind of talk about all the things that interest us, and maybe at some point in time we'll get into some theology too, because we're all uh, we're all men of God, and we'll see how that goes. So our first episode, uh, we kind of want to go ahead and discuss the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the movies that many of us actually grew up reading about, hoping that one day we would see become movies and being disappointed for many, many years as there were attempts, and then finally just what seemed to work and click right. So we just wanted to go ahead and discuss that and talk about what... <laughs> Crunch, crunch. Um, what's, um, you know, where they've been heading, where they started, and um, what the future looks like. I think that was one of the, the things that that cracked me up. I, you know, started reading comic books in about in middle school, fifth grade, just prior to middle school. My cousin got me into reading them, and we'd laugh as as adults that these were all the movies we wish we had as kids. They that they they didn't exist. Uh, Superman came out and that was you know great when everybody watched it and it was a big thing um, but now you get into mainstream you know you would have never thought that Thor would be you know a household name in the way that Spider-Man and Captain America is, are I think that brings up like a really good point of when Marvel when Disney bought Marvel mm -hmm. and they started this whole adventure with Iron Man they got a lot of flack for who they chose like they they were talking about like Thor like no one's going to relate to Thor, and it, it did take a little bit. I don't think they really hit their mark with Thor until the last Thor, until Ragnarok. But what about Adventures in Babysitting? You don't think they hit the mark? Was <laughs> <laughs> <Is> that Disney? <laughs> no, but Thor was in it. Yeah, he was definitely in it. The lesser known Marvel movie, <laughs> Adventures in Babysitting. I mean, you know, they, they came into it like a huge plan, like <laughs> right, twenty-two, twenty-three movies into it, and. You get Endgame, you're like, whoa, this, it all ties together all of a sudden. 
Well, I remember like around high school, like your only opportunity to see a Marvel movie was there was a Captain America movie that was released straight to video back then with an actor named Matt Salinger. And for what it was, it wasn't horrible, but even the special effects, like the Captain America costume had rubber ears that you yeah. could tell yeah. were rubber ears sticking off of it. And, you know, it was just, it wasn't up to what you wanted to see. Or then there was the uh, Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie that never even made it straight to video. The only way you could see that is like bootlegged uh, version. So when in 2000, when X-Men premiered and first hit the big screen, I just remember completely geeking out the first time Wolverine mm-hmm. popped his claws in that movie. And you were just like, they even did the snicked. You know, it was just kind of like, it was just insane. And just as from there where we are now, like I remember thinking, all right, that's the best the next uh, comic book movie could be. Mm-hmm. And then you see X2. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's the best a comic book movie could be. And then suddenly Marvel started putting out its own movies. And each time, each movie, you're like, how are they going to top that one? Well, they set the mark really good with Iron Man one. Mm-hmm. You know, when they, it, it's it's no, I don't think it was accidental. They chose Robert Downey Jr., who was already into his redemption story already. Mm-hmm. That they give us Tony Stark who knew the redemption story because he's more or less a warmonger and you know just selling weapons for to the open market or whoever's going to have it, whether he had knowledge of it or not. You know, so you know they were careful in how they cast. And right. They, you know, as they move into Iron Man one. They give us the tech, but they give us the the true intro story, where you don't have to kind of figure out where he's coming from. Like you, you know it, and they still manage throughout the movies to give us a Tony Stark backstory as we progress him. But they did a really good job of introducing you to who Tony Stark was then, and and how he progressed. But as comic book fans, would you have really thought they would have started with a character like an Iron Man, who I don't know was really a big name for people outside of geekdom, you know, truly. And so the fact that we could identify with this character and that we could really fall into this, uh, you know, love of what Marvel was doing, I wouldn't have thought Iron Man would have been that character. I really wouldn't as a comic book fan. Well, who do you think the character would have been? Uh, Captain America. I would have went with Captain America. People's or favorite. everybody knows Spider-Man. Everybody right, knows yeah. Spider-Man, sure. Well, the time they couldn't touch Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah they, well, the Sony versions that already come out, but yeah, MCU, I, man. I think at the time you were also still dealing with the James Garfield version. Because remember, he did yeah. too, and Sony had that. I mean, they were still actively right. engaged in Spider-Man. Yeah, so it, it, but it was a gamble, but you're right. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. kind of sold that, and I think it was because of his experiences, especially when you look at the character of Tony Stark in the comics. I mean, you know, the whole demon in the bottle story where he had to battle alcoholism, lost everything, was homeless on the street um, up until the end of it, and just Robert Downey Jr.'s experience where it's kind of, if you look back and almost the same exact experience except in real life like when you read some of his stories um like my favorite quote by him is i can't remember if it was after he played iron man during or before um somebody asked him about his history with alcohol and he said that he found out later on in years he was allergic to alcohol he breaks out in handcuffs <laughs> and I, I just thought, i just thought that, that was like one of the best comments and how he's able to adjust to that and pretty amazing at how well he did with that character. But that also ties in to a bit of the the formula for success for the MCU. You know, having daughters who have watched 
a lot of these movies with me and have gotten ever been into it. Sometimes it's the humor. Marvel was not afraid to be funny. You know, they're you know whether it's Thor, whether it's Iron Man, Captain America. There are parts where you literally laugh. Well, they had to build into Thor. He right. didn't start right. out very funny, but well, I like how Iron Man. Um, like he, you can tell he's obviously smart, but then he's super cool and, mm-hmm. and just witty. So I think all that together is probably. You know, Robert Downey Jr. is probably, probably his um, personality for real, so that's mm-hmm. why he fit as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why Iron Man, I think, did so well as, right. a, you know, kind of more of a background superhero in the public's eye. He came out strong because of Robert Downey Jr., because of mm-hmm. how yep. witty it was and funny and, you know, sarcastic. He's a little smart mouth, dude, so it's hilarious. I would think that when Disney actually sat down and had, you know, with Kevin Feige and with Marvel and had a conversation about, okay, where do we start? Like, how do we introduce the world mm-hmm. to Iron Man? And one of the things Marvel has done really well in Disney with these movies is they've made them relevant to what we experience in our day and time. Yeah. And to, if you consider that, the Tony Stark character is a great way to, mm-hmm. to kick people off into the Marvel world because... He, we have arms dealers today. We have people manufacturing them and selling them to whoever gets them. You know, we have wars and rumors of wars all over the place. Right. And you know, it's it's an easy thing to see. You know, somebody having the, the Elon Musk or one of these guys having these having the intelligence to build a suit like this. And you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. And it, I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> And it was kind of amazing how, um, you know, every great comic story has the everyman character. That's the point of view character. Um, you know, you have your Spider-Man character and things like that. And it was amazing how the MCU made Captain America that guy, especially for the first Avengers film. Because he was the guy that was basically like us, stepping into this world of gods from where he was just basically a human being. Now, granted, a like... Super soldier. Yeah, yeah. the epitome of human being, but still a just human like being. Dio, yeah, okay, <laughs> granted, he was just like Dio. And, uh, you know, thrust, in, thrust into this world of like complete and total gods on earth essentially with Thor and Iron Man and Jeff Sanders no, yep, exactly <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> but it's I mean it, to, to make a character like that where if you read the comics up until that time Captain America was at like above the all I mean you could read his series from his point of view but every other series it was kind of like he's the dude that's inspiring everyone mm-hmm. else and they still managed to pull that out of him like especially in this last Endgame, which I'm not going to say too much about Endgame because apparently there are still human beings on this planet that have not seen it for the first time. Um, so we'll I try not to spoil too much. <laughs> <laughs> but there's you know there's a scene we all know what scene it is where again it was one of those moments like the first snicked moment. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say it. when he says Avengers assemble, you're like, oh, he said it, you know. So <laughs> it's kind of like you know there are these true geek moments that I never thought we would get to. And the other and, – and, and part of that too is you know, you mentioned Robert Downey Jr., perfect Tony Stark. Chris Evans, basically now they're drawing Captain America to look like Chris Evans. I mean yeah. you, you have perfectly cast so many characters. Chris Hemsworth made a great Thor. Yeah. Um, and so the, you just keep coming back to these characters who you, you – know, you, you found the perfect you know, personification of them. <clears throat> Paul Bettany. First is Jarvis and then his vision and mm. just not both of those roles mm. out of the park. I mean, well, that was, that was a brilliant crossover. Yeah. You know, and, and you've got to think that 
at some point in time they plan on introducing Vision, right? And maybe not Iron Man one, but by Iron Man two, they're starting to flesh that out a little bit because their Iron Man two was right prior to Avengers, the first one. Right. There weren't too many movies between Avengers one and mm-hmm. Avengers two, no. and so they had to already be thinking, well, we've got we've got our our, our Vision ready to roll, right? It's an interesting and in, in you know. You mentioned the idea of bringing Iron Man out first. Yeah. So you take some of your well-known characters, then you bring in this franchise that nobody outside of you know real geekdom comic books has ever heard of, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. who mattered no. nobody to nobody, and now they're huge. You the know, soundtrack you, did it. It was. It was <laughs> the soundtrack. soundtrack that soundtrack and James Gunn's story writing and directing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just again, it was like that perfect mix. Um, I mean, who would have thought Bradley Cooper as a walking, talking raccoon, right? Um, or Vin Diesel as like a barely speaking tree? I mean, it's just like and you're like the 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 ripped leader was. Hey, isn't that guy from Parks and Rec? Yeah. You know? So it, it's <laughs> another smart mouth. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Yeah, the, one of the uh, what the triumvirate of Chris's in the yeah. Marvel right. Cinematic Universe. Well, I thought it was unique that that Disney. And Marvel gave us established actors in a lot of these roles, mm-hmm. and it's kind of been the the trend in, yeah. in the late two in, in the early two thousand leading to the late two thousand nine to two thousand ten of next up and coming actor who is it? And you don't see through a lot of this. I mean, you've, you've got Chadwick Boseman playing um, Black Panther and, and all those guys, but you don't see a lot of new characters, like new actors coming into these roles. Right. And that's a risk too. You know, when you've got Benedict Cumberpatch playing Doctor Strange and he's already well established that can they get out of that linear role they're used to playing and, and get into a new role. And that's just something for all the actors that have kind of tackled these characters and they've they've nailed them for the most part. Right. And mo- a lot of them are actors that you're like it's kind of funny because you have to think that probably prior to Iron Man if you had gone up to some of these guys and been like, "Hey, I want to play. I want you to play the main character in a comic book movie," they'd have been like, "What? No way!" But now it's like you get like major actors. I mean, Robert Redford was in Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like when you see stuff like that, and it, it's just like when you see the talent that they're now getting, you're like. I have finally been validated in life. (laughs) (laughs) We're growing up in a perfect time. Like all the stuff I enjoyed as a teenager is, is not only popular, it's, it's mainstream. It's where the future of entertainment Mm -hmm. is right now. Mm -hmm. And if you're not on, you know, I I know that uh, James Cameron a couple years ago remarked what he remarked about the the superhero movie and he was sure it was on its way out and he's had to eat his own words with Endgame. But here we are. You know, after 23 movies, and it's not going away. Right. You know, Disney's working on this was just the Infinity Saga. Now it's not Phase One, Two, Three, or Four. They're they're sagas. Well, the, 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 there's a kind of some combined ideas. So you take these 20 some movies, and you start releasing them one by one, and you have a little teaser at the end that ties them together with a thread. Then they come together. So you've got a connective tissue between all these movies and one continuous storyline that's going on, which is absolutely brilliant because then when a movie that is not your favorite comes out, you still want to know how it ties into the rest of them. So you're going to go see that movie. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And what I like, one of the biggest things I love about this whole MCU just phenomenon. Deadpool. Oh, I thought you were talking about that too. Um, but no, the uh, the fact that it has given opportunity for many kids that grew up like me to turn to the people in their life, whether it be their spouse, their significant other, husband, wife, whatever, and say, "Comics are cool." See. <laughs> I told you. That might be pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, I think you've got a little overboard there. Hey, you never know. You could ha- see the, the comic book kids pushing the bullies and the jocks in school now. <laughs> Getting them wedgies. Yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole new uh, Charles Atlas uh, commercial coming out in the back of comics where it's the geek kicking the sand in the big muscle right. guy's face. <laughs> so my, my daughter loves these movies. Mm-hmm. She's just as excited as I am when they come out. It's, it, it's become a family thing. It's a yep. fun thing for us to do. Yeah. You know, we we can't wait to go see the movie, and now it's hey, can we go see it again? Like, check the wallet, but <laughs> right. let's find out. Yeah, we'll be going as a family to see Spider Man next Absolutely. week. Absolutely, yeah. yep. The and the and I think that's another. So, the way they, you know, the the writers and screenwriters and directors are using the comic books for background, for storyline, and for inspiration. They don't follow the exact comic line. No. So if you're a comic book reader and you go, oh, I know what happens, it doesn't. It happens differently. Um, and, and so everybody gets pulled in. No one knows how it's going to turn out. And the right. storytelling is is, it, is its own MCU, Absolutely. Um, which is really cool. Yeah, and they were clever enough that they're telling this story like the comic books do. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a Captain America comic book who kind of hints at Iron Man or whatever else mm-hmm. is going on, and then that's the end of that comic book. And then the very next comic book you pick up is, is Iron Man, and it ties it in too. And you don't realize how intertwined these stories are until you get to like the, the, the end games, where right. it, it initially was the Avengers Assemble, mm-hmm. um, the Avengers movie that we had. And they, they continually tell the story cinematically as a comic book. It's just mm-hmm. pretty neat to see. And it is, and it's also like, again, this whole entire phenomena owes itself to how comics were written. Cause there was a time period. I remember growing up where crossovers just didn't happen. Or if they did, it was like Spider-Man was in the Avengers for like two panels mm-hmm. and said something goofy and swung away. Uh, then suddenly when they started doing, well, secret wars and all the, you know, the distinguished competition, DC Comics started doing their crossovers. Marvel's like, well, we need to do crossovers. And then suddenly, you, exactly, you saw it, like Tim said, you saw it happen in the cinematic universe, and it worked so well. It was amazing. I remember living in anticipation of when the Avengers was coming out, and then Avengers 2. Even though like you're excited about seeing the separate movies and what happened in their separate lives, you're like, oh, what's going to happen when they come together again? I thought like with Avengers, one of the really like one of the favorite scenes through all these movies that I've seen was was in the Avengers for me, and that was um, after all the Avengers had assembled and were fighting, and you saw this scene where uh, it's the scene where Hulk. Um, I'm sorry, Thor's on top of the, the, the flying beast and uh, he throws a piece of metal into the head of it and, um, or, or Hawk does and Thor comes in and smashes it. But the whole time it's going on is that camera never stopped. You right. saw all of the characters of the Avengers. You know, you saw Black mm-hmm. Widow, you saw Captain America. It was all one pan shot and it was just so brilliant to put together. Like That's exactly how you could envision, at least for me as a child, reading these comic books when these Avengers assembled. Mm-hmm. That's how the battle went. And they, they put it together so perfectly in that first Avengers that I was just couldn't wait. And for each the next one. each movie plays on that in in uh, Civil War is where the two teams are marching against each other to mm. fight. So they've got that pan out, you know, just total, you know, 
battle getting ready to happen or everybody's coming together and those are just great moments that you get goosebumps. But they manage to tell deep stories too. Mm-hmm. Like like Winter Soldier is is in my opinion is the best of those movies. Mm-hmm. Even though I I put those movies on a podium anyway. Right. But the Winter Soldier was so relevant to what we deal with in today's society, you know, we're worried about who read what elections or what government is trying to undercut another government. And that's they they just nailed it yeah. with the understory of, man, who's the Winter Soldier? Mm-hmm. And when that's revealed, at the even the audio, the soundtracks, the sound effects leading up to it, the music winding up, that one scene where Bucky's mask is finally knocked off and you realize and you revealed that the Winter Soldier is Bucky. Who's Bucky? Yeah. Well, if you're not a comic book <laughs> No, no, I mean, that's what he says. He's like, who's Bucky? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It, it was just so, so such an upwind. You're like, ah, oh, here it comes. Yes! Yeah. They gave it to us. And then at the end, when Captain America makes that altruistic decision of it all goes down, mm-hmm. you know, and he toppled not only Hydra, but S.H.I.E.L.D., and then they deal with the aftermath of that in, like, the next ten movies. Mm. And, you, and, and I think this is where comic books have gone as well and they weren't afraid to go there in the um, in the movies was to knock your heroes down you know the, you know yeah. civil war where you've got good guys fighting good guys and you've got you know people questioning and and captain america ends up keeping a secret from tony stark that destroys their friendship so you all of a sudden these guys you know back in the old superman batman you know you had the, your heroes were untouchable. They were, you know, iconic. They were, they weren't human almost. And so, that humanity, bringing the humanity into it now, um, you know. And I guess you've also got just so many different kinds of movie. Like you know, Tim said with Winter Soldier, you've got espionage. You've got then you turn on Thor Ragnarok, which is like a heavy metal album. You know, <laughs> yeah. just you know, dragons and demons and fire and you know, it's just great stuff. Fights to the death in the pit you know? and hilarious yeah. too. Yeah, like yeah, absolute yeah. like laugh out loud funny in places. Well, and that's what's been crazy is like the addition of humor to all of them. I mean, definitely more prominent in like Ragnarok or Guardians of the Galaxy, but yet at the same time they mixed humor with really good endearing dramatic stories like as funny as guardians 2 was that end when yandu during yandu's funeral with the cat stevens song and everything you're, you're not like, crying in that you're not human you know? oh it was amazing um and then they even pull sylvester stallone into a scene for that or all star cast sitting there michelle yao was there it was just kind of a just the way they do it is done so well. Captain America even had that endearing humor where that he's like self-depreciating throughout all of his films, all of his appearances, um, where you know basically he's essentially making fun of himself for being out of place. Mm-hmm. Constantly. Especially, I mean, I love the scene in Avengers 2 where he's like, language, and they just <laughs> pull that throughout the entire film. Well, the scene in Avengers where, um, what was the movie they referenced? And Captain America's piece goes, I, I get that. It's just hilarious. Yeah. You get Winter Soldier, you get on your left. Yeah. On your left. On your left. And, and Sam's reaction to that. So know, from the war. Guardians, it's Kevin Bacon. You yeah. Know, it's yeah. Footloose. And they keep bringing it back. <laughs> right. You, know, it, you had that in Endgame where, you know, they're talking movies as they all converge together as they're on Titan. And he asked him, is it still the greatest movie ever? Greatest movie ever? And Spider Man's like, 
Never was. <laughs> or like Spider-Man where he's referencing all the movies that we grew up yeah. as, with. Is a real movies. old movie? Yeah. Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. I was, thought it was unique that, or funny that they snuck that in there because Tony had warned him, if I hear one more movie right. reference right. or sci-fi right. from about you during the rest of this trip, <laughs> and then immediately as soon as they meet Star-Lord, it's like, Kevin Bacon, like, movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. I think one of the things that, that is the coolest to me as a longtime Marvel fan uh, is watching Stan Lee know that all this is going, you know, he's got his cameos in all the movies, which are really funny, but it's taking what he and Jack Kirby started, you know, and, and became popular, but then all of a sudden it's hit a whole new level and Kirby didn't get to see it in the way that Stan Lee did, but Stan Lee can watch, you know, his characters are now beyond what he probably could have ever imagined they would be. Uh, and so, and then he becomes part of it, you know, in a way. And then when he died, my then 13 year old daughter, it was a sad moment for her because she knew who he was. He understood, she understood that he had written most of these characters and, you yeah. know, it becomes a, a seminal moment for a whole new generation. We were all sad in my house. I mean, even my wife was mm-hmm. sad and she's like, has a tertiary care of comics just to, you know, make me happy. <laughs> so it's like, she was even sad. My, my mother-in-law was texting me about Stan Lee's death. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, they had all listened to me harp about how great Stan Lee was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it, it's amazing how these movies have essentially stretched out to encompass people that probably never would have known what these characters are. I mean, I see kids that are technically the cool kids Wearing comics-based shirts now. You see Daredevil shirt, or uh, sorry, you see uh, Deadpool shirts mm-hmm. on everybody. Well, just like I was saying about the cool kids. <laughs> for the cool for those of you that can't see, Dio is wearing a comic-based shirt. In fact, he's wearing a Pulp Revelator shirt. Yeah. Soon to be available. Soon to be available. <laughs> soon, soon available. Another thing they're really good at, and they, they're not slowing down, is is the supporting cast. Right. You know, they, you have these characters that um, Marvel, through the years of comic books, carefully wrote into the storylines, and you wonder, hey, how are they going to pull that character in? And they've done it very seamlessly. Some characters, you know, I, I, it drives me nuts that they've killed off some of the adversaries that they've killed off some of the, some of the um, antagonists, but you have to in cinema world, you have to bring it to an end. Where the comic book world recreates circumstances over and over again between the between the hero and the villain constantly. Mm-hmm. But in cinema, you've got to give the audience an end. Yeah, but is anybody ever really dead in <laughs> a comic book? I mean, really. I mean, we comic book movie. Let's see what happens next week. Well, Red Skull came it's back. Just, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope uh, one of my personal favorites is not dead from the end game. So, you know, Scarlett Johansson, whatever. You know, she should have. Well, we know she's got a movie she's coming got, out. Yeah. You know, what it might be like. Set before, right? What well, is? I just did a just read an article yesterday with some tidbits of right. that came across a crate of of like costumes, and it referenced a, a character from the the eighties storyline of of uh, Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it becomes you know so interesting. Where Marvel has these phases that you go through. You know, we with it's actually Spider Man uh, Far From Home is the last movie in this phase. Endgame was the big, you know, climax and then Spider-Man, but still part of that same storyline. So then they'll cut into the next ones. You know, we know that, 
there's another Doctor Strange movie in the work. We know that there's another Black Panther, which I can't wait for. Yeah. It's going to be an absolute blast. We know there's another Guardians movie. We've heard that there is uh, the what's the uh, Eternals, right? Yes, which is a Kirby uh, creation. The rumor that's, casting. Yeah, I right. think that's kind of being put to bed because I mean they're casting for it now. They're they're, they're reaching mm-hmm. out to certain characters. They're trying to figure out how to put Keanu Reeves in a Marvel movie. I mean, <laughs> Here's my prediction for Black Widow, and I've been waiting until we recorded for it. Um, and I think it's already been, but sp- it has. There was an article on it, so of course I'm not the first. But um, there was a storyline that just came out recently, and like it or not, while the while the MCU is pulling from long term stories, they've been pulling from a lot of recent stories as well, like the Black Order and the Outriders right. and Endgame. That's all Jonathan Hickman creating creation, and you guys will hear plenty about Jonathan Hickman in the future. Um, but uh, let's not focus on him now. But you know, there was a story that came out just recently after the um, Secret Empire story where. Uh, Black Widow had been killed by the evil Captain America in that story. Again, a story for another time. Um, but come to find out, she had been cloned throughout the years, which is how she was able to appear in like the early World War II stories that featured Wolverine in Marvel Comics. The Black Widow was a child. So there was always that hanky timeline there. It's like, well, she was a child in World War II. How is she still the same age as all of us current readers? Mm-hmm. Um so come to find out she had been cloned throughout the years every time she was killed. So that's my personal opinion of what has happened here. It's either she has been cloned or we're going to see that when Cap went back, it somehow fixed her death when he gave the salt stone in and she just didn't come out. Because the result of that story of her coming back cloned, she hasn't alerted everyone that she's back. They've been doing all these solo behind the scenes stories that – Focus on her and then go back and look at her past and it's her clearing her ledger because she has a chance to do that Mm. without people being like, well, you're supposed to be an Avenger. You know, she's able to do it. So I'm thinking that that might be the angle they take. And if I'm wrong, then cool. I'm wrong because they like to surprise me. If I'm right, I'll just hold it over your heads for the rest of your life. And it's recorded that you're wrong. So that's important. (laughs) But it's also recorded that I could be right. (laughs) I think one of the things with with – superhero movies the same way as maybe star wars movies or you know sci-fi movies we hold them to a different standard we want good stories you know and so if there's somebody's cloned and comes back that's cool you know as long as it ties into the overall story and you set it up in a believable way you know are the in endgame we've got time looping going on and you've got captain america older captain america fighting younger captain america which is a phenomenal scene right you know but if you sit there and try to analyze it in your head, you're just going to back your way out of the movie. Exactly. And your head will explode. <laughs> Especially if you try to do all the paradoxes that right. you could go through in, uh, in Avengers. But that's what was so brilliant about it is they're like, you know, and they quoted it. They could have followed the Back to the Future model or they just right. could do their own thing. And they just did their own thing. And they're like, timeline, shine That whole dialogue was funny too, though. That Back to the Future dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. Okay, another thing about the upcoming Scarlet Witch film is Marvel's never done a puff piece. They've never just kind of given you a story because, well, the fans demand it. Like, the, there's a reason for every story they tell. Right. 
So when they do these movies, I mean, even if you look at Captain Marvel, even though it right. came out after everything, mm. it goes back, it takes place in the 90s, and there's pieces of place. How did S.H.I.E.L.D. ever get a hold of Tesseract? Well, now we know. Right. You know, so there's a lot of pieces in play there. I'm really interested to find out what happens to Goose the Cat, because, yeah. Know, whereas he was really well, chewy. I mean, Nick Fury's eyes. Right. You know, yeah. and that's a great example, Tim, because that when... Captain Marvel is a great story, standalone, but it, it connects and moves forward into right into Endgame. So you figure if a Black Widow story is going to be a backstory, that it's still going to tie forward in some right. way. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's great because there is that Black Widow movie coming. You said Scarlet Witch earlier, and now there's a TV series, Vision and Scarlet Witch, right. which you know somehow Vision is going to be back in it. Um, and then, I mean, you have... The Fal- you have the Falcon and Bucky, which it's still called that. They haven't changed the title yet. Loki's got a show. Loki's got a show. Hawkeye. Hawkeye mm-hmm. has a standalone. I promise show. it's all going to tie in to yep. the larger cinematic universe. Right. Yep. So they're not, I mean, these characters or these actors who are playing these parts, they're not just relegated to, well, it's not a relegation anymore. It used to be it was a, it was a shame to be on a TV spot or to be right. on an episode thing, and now it's, it's sought after. But that's not the end of it for them. They're gonna, you know, the Winter Soldier is going to have a role to play in future movies. Right. And I don't see. Um, he's got like a ridiculous contract with them too. Sebastian uh, Stan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just like. I mean, I think he still has like. He's, he's got a ton more left. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, and even like the Netflix series, I don't see them trashing those characters and those actors that have mm-hmm. such a following. I mean, we already know that essentially. Over the next five years, they may throw a smattering of the Fox rights that they have in. I don't think they're going to jump right into it. And within the next five years, they'll probably get the Netflix rights back. And I'm sure, like, I mean, Charlie Cox, that guy has already said that he would come back to Daredevil no matter what shape or form possible. I wouldn't be surprised if Disney comes to an agreement with Netflix to get those properties back. I would not be surprised by that. Absolutely, especially if it uh, gives Netflix some uh, access to some Marvel property in the future. Well, Netflix just has to wait. The way the contract's written between Disney and Netflix is within seven years, they revert to some some of the rights revert back to Netflix anyway. So if they just want to be patient, the question is, can their business model sustain that? And Disney has all the cards. They own 80% of Hollywood. Yeah, you know they can do whatever they want. They could they could buy Netflix. <laughs> you know they they've already done it more than once. Tim, you were talking about adversaries getting uh, knocked off, and I would that just made me think a little bit. You know that, that these stories are only as good as the villain and that and the conflict is. And there have been some awesome villains. You know, Tom Hiddleston as Loki has been a blast to watch. You know, um, what's been fun to watch that they finally kind of took the chains off of that character. And with Thor and Ragnarok, they didn't just let um, Chris Hemsworth loose. They let Tom Hiddleston loose too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they let them really develop yep. those characters. And you saw, a, you saw a character arc in Loki that wasn't even close to happening, but somehow it seamlessly came right. into play. Brolin as Thanos. Well, Josh Brolin, I mean, that's the... They've been teasing him for movie after movie after movie until Infinity War really hits. And then, you know, you can't have a better Thanos there. Nah. That was perfect casting, um, even with green screen and whatnot. But Man, Michael Jordan's Killmonger was insane. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. And how horrible was it? I mean, I, I felt devastated when they killed that character because yeah. it's like, that is that is a villain. 
And he was, and he, sympath- he was sympathetic in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's got a reason to be who he is, and yeah. half the world could be behind that. Like, yeah, they're, it's they're easy to that. relate with that dude. Yeah. yeah. And really, but most of the villains have a sympathetic. You know, when yeah. you get into, and, and I think Thanos is the flavor of the month in comic books and in movies, you know, his backstory and different things, you know, right. you kind of see, okay, maybe I see where he's going a little bit, which worries you, you know, that you think that you right. can see what Thanos is seeing. But, um, Michael Jordan was great, you know, in that as the Killmonger role, and James Spader is Ultron, man. Yep. I was just like, and I know so many people complained about how Ultron was done in that movie, and a, it's a with the Marvel movies, like one of the things is they can't do it exactly like the comics, and there's a population of comic fans that are essentially like the comic guy in the Simpsons who people will hear me refer to a lot. Uh, but you know, it's kind of like an issue number 100. It never would have been James Spader's Ultron, but it's like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you have to, he did such a good job at that role. I mean, you could put Spader as the voice of like SpongeBob and I'd be like, I'm probably going to watch SpongeBob now. Mm -hmm. And just, and that's just the thing, the talent that they've brought on. I mean, Kurt Russell is ego. Ego was done completely different than the comics. Right. I want Kurt Russell. I want Ego to be drawn as Kurt Russell from now on in the comics. Right. It's You're just, grabbing A-list actors, dropping them into these roles, and letting them go. Yeah. Well, everybody wants a piece of it. If you if you mm-hmm. saw, um, was it Ragnarok? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the beginning of Ragnarok, where they're doing this this big O to Loki. Play yeah. and you've got Matt Damon. Matt Damon. And you've, got, <laughs> you've, got, you've got Liam. Hem- was it Liam Hemsworth? It's one of the Hemsworth brothers. Yeah, is, right. is playing Thor, and you, yeah. everybody wants a piece of it. Like just, just give me a cameo, please. Yeah, yeah. That's you know? that was true. Cool. And then I, will, I know it's outside of the MCU. Dio was going there a little bit with uh, Deadpool. Brad Pitt as the vanishing guy. Oh. <laughs> you know, you're just like people do. They want to get in on it yep. because it's, it's fun. It's funny. You have a good time. And then someone will come out having been comic fans for years, mm-hmm. like. You know, Nicolas Cage was always vocal about it, but there was probably like a huge part of Hollywood's like, ah, it's political suicide, dude. <laughs> right. And and mm. now they're kind of like, yeah, I want to be in that. Yeah, I've been a comic fan since I was like a fetus. You know, it's like <laughs> it's kind of was a comic fan when she was pregnant. Yeah. So. yeah. She she read Avengers the entire time I was yeah. being conceived. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like yeah, the other thing is if you look at like um, <laughs> getting off, staying in their comic world was getting off beat a little bit. So the, the, you know, the Walking Dead when. When they develop some of those characters, you know, Norman Reese's character should be dead seven seasons ago because he just didn't matter. Right. But he owned that character so much and the fans fell in love with him so much that they kind of went, man, we can build something around him. And Disney and Marvel, they, they had the ability to do the same thing. You have these characters that kind of have minor role, minor role, minor role, and all of a sudden, man, what? Yeah. Yeah, I like, I like that. Like, you look at the, the character that plays uh, uh, Suri, and we, we know that oh, yeah. in, in the comic books that she has a much bigger role to play later but they just they just very quietly and very smooth smoothly test the waters on everybody yeah and she's been very well received so don't be surprised if, if that actress doesn't mm-hmm. you know take off jeff goldblum is uh oh, games master he's the best and, oh, i mean it's just like benicio del toro is the collector i mean all and then you characters. circle back in with michael keaton as vulture who had, had yeah. been batman in yeah. a lifetime you know and who isn't done Right, right. And he he's one of the villains who was captured and thrown in prison, and there's there's still a story to be told there because, you know, he has a sentence to serve and then he'll be out, and he right. he seemed pretty bent on the idea that, you know, Spider Man's mine to get vengeance on. No one else is going to do it for me. And Michael Keaton's just, I mean, his acting chops are insane. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he goes from playing like 
you know, our childhood archetype of Batman, a very heroic character that faced these tragedies and his whole drive for life is to make sure nobody ever faces that tragedy again, plays it well, makes him sympathetic to the Vulture, who's also sympathetic, but yet is scary as all get out and essentially tells Peter Parker... I won't just kill you. I'll kill everyone you love if you don't do what I want. And it's just and like you believe it. And you believe it. Yeah, just that look in his eyes. So let's maybe you know play that out a little bit and maybe give us a, a place to wrap up. Um, we've got Spider Man coming out in next week. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know any any Spider Man predictions coming up here? I, I have the one thing. I'll predict is I think since in the previews this isn't a spoiler they talk about the multiverse mm-hmm. A I think we're going to see more of the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. in future Spider-Man movies B essentially think about what that means since they've established that there is a multiverse of multiple timelines in fact they're doing what if as mm-hmm. a, yeah. as yeah, a series Disney Plus series yeah. that means every Marvel movie all the way back to rubber-eared Captain America is now canon because it's part of the multiverse. It's true. Yeah, yeah. so everything they have ever done from the Fox to the Sonys to all those films can be, sitter, can be considered canon with the MCU because it's part of that gigantic multiverse they created. Yeah, I have some theories we won't get into about how they're going to introduce the X-Men, but I think it has a lot to do with the multiverse. <laughs> That'll be for MCU Part 2. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because I have a funny feeling that as we continue to do episodes, we're going to be coming back to the MCU repeatedly, if not, you know, weekly. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, I was actually going to say what Skirk said because we talked about it before, and um, he said it, so I'll, I'll just second that. Yeah, I actually stole his. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, was, that was all Dio. Yeah, I want to give him yeah, credit. Pretty much everything he yeah. said today was my thought. Everything I've done in my life up to this point has been uh, yeah. from Dio. Actually, He's, those were his chips. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I was eating the chips. Yeah. Now he, He's known me since I was a little skirky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to Jake Gyllenhaal's character because, I mean, the, the way that they're portraying Mysterio, mm-hmm. um, you know, originally it's come out that he is going to be the villain. Right. And But the way you're seeing him in the advertisements right now is he's almost taking on Friend, that. good guy. Mm-hmm. Almost yeah. replacing like Tony Stark's character, that guidance mm-hmm. that, that Spider-Man needs. That could be a really, really uh, a big betrayal. Right. Or this could be something that He's one of these villains who's going to live on and continue to appear and just to continue to meddle and make life difficult because he's just – he's that smart. He's that cerebral. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too. I mean when you, you've got the MCU as, as we've got it laid in front of us right now and Spider-Man is kind of a also-ran. He's a, he's a minor part compared to Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man. Spider-Man is the lifeblood of Marvel in the same way Superman is of DC. So you might be seeing Spider-Man step into a much bigger role in commanding how things go. And, you know, the kids they, love him. Yeah. So, and they absolutely. say, you know, there, there's the line in the advertisement, are you going to step up? Right. You know, true. so I guess we find out. I hope the biggest question I hope they answer is how you pronounce Jake. Jill Nall's last name because I, I can never I, Mysterio? I don't know, yeah I don't know how exactly you pronounce his last name is it Jillenthal is it Jalenthal is it Guylenthal I mean I've heard it like all kinds of different ways 
So that's my biggest question. I hope is answered. There we go. It's a good question, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they've made many mistakes with their casting. I think that nah. this movie is going to be pretty I, off the charts. I'm excited. And early reviews, um, they've all been spoiler free, and they're already top notch reviews. Yeah. It's like they can't do a technically bad movie right now with their reviewers. The critics are kind of like. I've been reading comics since you know I was born too. So <laughs> you gotta think Disney would be allowed out of twenty-two movies, they'd be allowed to have one flop. They haven't had one yet. Right. Even if they had one, it'd just be the lesser of the movies. Mm -hmm. Right. So I love everything they do. I hope. I hope they continue to roll them out. And maybe we'll get together again and talk after Spider-Man, and you know what that sets up next. Sounds like a plan. Great job, everybody. Uh, have any of you ever tried shawarma? Um, I know this really good shawarma place. I really want to go get some right now. Um. <laughs>